Tonight, uh, I am giving uh, a second talk in our series, and our series is called Stand Firm. Stand Firm. And last week, uh, we started the series. It's a series going through the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, looking at this idea of the spiritual battle. And tonight, I get a chance to uh, start this off about how we fight the battle, how we face the battle, how we uh, stand firm in the spiritual battle. And um, Toby kicked us off last week with a brilliant uh, overview of what the spiritual battle is for us as Christians. And the, two, the one thing that really, really stuck with me uh, from last week was this sense of um, we can fall into one of two camps with this idea of the spiritual battle. Maybe you think about it before. Maybe you've never thought about the idea of being in a spiritual battle. And Toby outlined a really helpful thing that said we can either uh, totally dismiss the idea that there's a spiritual battle and think there is no devil, there is no evil, I don't have anything to worry about, and totally dismiss it. Or we can find ourselves maybe a bit obsessed with it and think, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a battle, everything's a battle. I couldn't find a car parking space this morning. I'm in a battle. I've lost my keys. I'm in a spiritual battle. I'm under spiritual attack all the time. And we can sort of like over-obsess with that. Maybe you've been in that situation before if you've lost your keys or couldn't find a car parking space. But Paul, St. Paul outlines that there is a spiritual battle that we face. He says, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against dark and evil powers of the spiritual world. What's interesting about this, before we look into uh, what we're looking at tonight, is this sense that Paul is a church planter uh, sent by Jesus and in the name of, in the power of the Spirit, and the power of God, is going around uh, the Mediterranean planting churches. He's causing so much disruption in the Roman world that they uh, arrest him and they throw him in prison. And he's writing these words, chained, with a chain around his arm, 18 inches from a Roman soldier who's dressed in armor. And he says that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, the heavenly forces, the spiritual, the spiritual forces of evil. But you can't help but think that he's, he's there, chained to a soldier and thinking, hang on, I'm in a battle. There's a guy wearing armor. And his imagination is set alight, saying, do you know what? We need not physical armor, but spiritual armor, metaphorical armor to face the forces of evil. So tonight, we're going to look at how we stand firm and what Paul says about putting on not the physical armor, but the spiritual armor of God tonight to face the battles. So let's read um, the next two verses of Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, verses 13 and 14. It's going to come up on the screen uh, tonight. It says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place. So, the first thing, before we look into the the armor of God over the next few weeks, is this. Paul says to take up the whole armor of God. He doesn't say sort of take up your favorite item of the armor of God or your, uh, the one that you're drawn to the most or the one that you think you could uh, use the best. He says put on the whole armor of God. None of it is optional. All of it is in, as important as every other part. He says you have 
this opportunity to take up and put on the armor of God. Now use it. And you might uh, be an armor expert. I don't know if there's any sort of armor experts in the house tonight. I used to have a friend, interestingly, who spent his weekends, this is a total true story, uh, dressing up in armor and doing Napoleonic reenactments. Anyone come across that? You're laughing. Some of you might have done. Anyway, he used to sort of travel the country and do uh, Napoleonic and other war reenactments dressed in armor. He was an armor expert. You might not be an armor expert, but you will notice from this passage that there are six pieces of armor. Two have we just been mentioned. Uh, there are six pieces of armor mentioned in this passage, and they are this. The belt, the breastplate, the sandals, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Now, if you look through that list of six, you might... You don't need to be an armor expert like my friend to realize that five of those pieces are all to do with pieces that protect us. Pieces of armor that protect us. And only one is about attack. That's the sword. But more interestingly, the first three, the belt and the breastplate and the sandals, are the three pieces of armor that a Roman soldier would have on all the time. All the time, the belt, the breastplate, and the sandals. And then the three other ones, the shield, the helmet, and the sword, would only be taken up in the moment when the battle intensified, when they went to attack someone or something, or when the, 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 the sort of conflict heated up. So today, we're going to start off. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at all of them. But tonight, we're going to look at the belt and the breastplate. So I thought tonight, instead of just showing you a picture of a Roman soldier and saying, look at this wonderful Roman soldier on the screen, I thought we would have our very own live Roman soldier here tonight with some sort of real Roman armor. Um, so would you welcome Roman soldier Ben up tonight? Ben's going to come and be our Roman soldier. Come on, Ben. Ben, for one night only, you're going to be a Roman soldier. Please, can you put on this um, Roman soldier stuff and come and stand this, come and stand this side? Look at this, guys. No expense spared. This is, this is your... <laughs> just going to sort this out slightly. There you go. And there's your belt. Here we go. Ben, come and put the belt on and stand over this side. So tonight... Just give him a moment. Hang on a second. What's going on here? There we go. Just tuck away your label there. I'm not sure the Roman soldiers had... Brilliant. Well done. You're looking good. Brilliant. This is Ben, the Roman soldier. Yes. Tonight, we are going to look at the belt of truth. Just, just tuck your belt in there so it's neater, Ben. There we go. <laughs> very good, very good. So the belt of truth in verse 13. What is the belt of truth? Why is the belt of truth essential that we take up? And how does the belt of truth help us fight the battle? You might think, if I'm going to fight a battle, why would I be thinking about the belt as the first thing I put on? I don't know, when you, when you get dressed in the morning, for me, sometimes the belt is like the last thing I might put on, a bit of an accessory, rather than, oh, I need to work out which belt I'm going to wear today. You might not think that belt, a belt is a very important piece of armor. You might think a belt is, you know, what, what is the point of a belt? Well, um, not long ago, I was at an airport with my father-in-law, and um, uh, we were going through the security, that moment where you um, sort of have to put all your things in a box and scan and, you know, then you get checked for any metal that you have, keys and phones and watches and stuff. Anyway, my father-in-law, Nay's dad, um, 
travels with lots of stuff. And he was walking, going through this, this moment in the airport security where he um, had to put his watch in the box and his bags and his suitcase and it was watch and then it was and then he thought hang on I need to take my belt off so he put his belt in the um in the scanner and he walked through the thingy the metal thingy and he did this and he sort of and he just went and he likes to wear baggy shorts <laughs> so he suddenly went like this and his shorts dropped to the floor <laughs> true story in front of lots and lots of people there he was um just stood in his pants with his shorts around his, way, uh, around his ankles. That is the point of a belt, I quickly realized. And anyway, when you understand that the, about the belt of truth, it's not just about sort of, uh, protecting your uh, decency at an airport, but this whole idea, the belt of truth tonight, is about uh, holding your whole self together. Holding yourself together. How do you stand firm in the midst of onslaught? With truth around your waist. At the core of who you are. Holding you together. Paul is saying here, the belt of truth is the first item to put on. Because we are held together by truth. And there's two things I'd love us to think about, about truth tonight. Firstly, to know the truth. To know the truth in our heads. The belt of truth helps us, it holds us together so we can know the truth. We live in a world, don't we, where it can be hard to discern uh, truth from lies. We live in a, a world of news and fake news, of like those parody news websites that look like real news websites but actually are totally false. We live in a, a world of like deep fakes. We live in a world where AI seems to be confusing us. It could be harder and harder and harder to know truth from lies, reality from fake news. I came across this term the other day called infocalypse, which is like apocalypse, but with information just destroying our sort of mind and certainty. Truth matters more than ever in this post-truth world. And it needs to be at the core of who we are, holding us together. A different book version of the Bible, the ESV, puts this verse a little bit differently. And it may be, be really useful for our understanding. It says this, stand firm, having fastened on the belt of truth. We don't stand and try and stand and then put on the belt of truth. This version says, we put the belt on so that we can then stand. See the subtle difference? Belt on, then stand. The theologian uh, Tom Wright says this, Christianity isn't true because it works, it works because it is true. It works because it is true, not, not the other way around. And we know all of this, Paul knew all of this, because Jesus said, I am the truth. Not just the words I say are true, but I am truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I exude truth. My character is truth. Really, interesting, really interestingly, this belt of truth idea is not new to the New Testament and Paul's idea of the armor. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says this, A quality of the coming Messiah was truthfulness around the waist. So it says of uh, the person of Jesus who was prophesied in the Old Testament, that truthfulness will be around the waist of the Messiah. He was, no, he was to be called the one who is true, Jesus. And as followers 
of Jesus, Paul is saying to us to have the same truth around us. So, know the truth, the belt of truth. Now, the Greek word for truth in the New Testament is aletheia, which in its full definition means not just truth, but truthfulness, truthfulness or dependability or reliability. So the second thing I'd love to bring out tonight about truth is not just to know the truth, but to tell the truth, exude truthfulness, live out truthfulness as a value in your life. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, that truth is one of the keys for us to grow in maturity and to grow in unity. He calls us and the people of uh, the Ephesian church there to, to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up in every way. And in speaking truthfulness to one another, we help each other to grow in our, in our identity. We need to speak truth and truthfulness to build each other up. And I wonder whether you sometimes struggle or find it hard to tell the truth. I know that if I'm honest with myself, I really do. Sometimes telling the truth requires us to admit we've done something wrong. Yes, I've done that wrong. It admits maybe we have to tell, we, when we tell the truth, we have to admit our faults. We have to admit our, our weakness. It might stir in us uh, sort of feelings of guilt or feelings of shame. Yes, I did that wrong. Yes, I admit to doing that. I didn't do that. And we need to find places where we can do that to each other, where we can speak truth, where we can speak openly to one another. I have um, an amazing uh, group of friends, three guys that I trained with um, at college in London. And we have a little catch-up group. We have a little WhatsApp group. But we also have a sort of weekly um, little, what's it, what do you call them? Zooms. That's what you call them. <laughs> we have a little weekly Zoom chat where we just check in with each other just for 20 minutes and say, how are you getting on this week? How are you doing? What can I pray for? Where, where have you sort of uh, slipped up this week? How can I support you? How can I speak truth into your life? And I would encourage you to do that with other people. But the interesting thing I'd love to think about with this idea of the belt of truth is this. Have you ever wondered why the belt was linked with truth? Why not the shield of truth or the helmet of truth? Well, the, tr the, uh, the belt was used by Roman soldiers. Just stand forward a little bit, Ben. Thank you. Uh, the, belt, the belt was used by Roman soldiers uh, for a couple of reasons, to hold them together. But secondly, uh, the dagger and the sword were hung from the belt so that in moments of attack when they armed themselves, they would be able to access their weapons really quickly and easily. But interestingly as well, there were other things. These, you can't quite see it on Ben's uh, wonderful reenactment, but there were leather straps hanging from the belt at the front with sort of studs at the bottom that would hang down and hold them there. And these were straps that were used to protect your more delicate areas if you were a soldier. You don't have to imagine too much about why they might be. And the purpose of that was um, that in the moment of attack, a, a Roman soldier was protected from uh, a vulnerable blow to the sensitive areas that you might have. You don't have to think any more about that. Ben, you're okay, don't worry. Um, <laughs> But when, when we are truthful, when we are truthful, 
when we wear the, the belt of truth around us, it can be easy to think, I've got to try and protect myself. I, we, can, we can think we need to uh, protect ourselves and, uh, and do everything in our own strength. But the belt of truth and the, the armor that Paul knew about from the Roman soldiers was this sense of when the belt of truth is there, when truthfulness is in our lives, we are protected so that we're not open to attack. We're not open to uh, a moment of, um, yeah, a, a moment where we are brought to our knees unexpectedly. With the belt of truth, we are protected. So, with the belt of truth on, we can stand firm knowing the truth and telling the truth. Knowing the truth of God's power and love and grace in our lives. Knowing the work of the victory of Jesus. Jesus' love for us. His victory in the battle. His death. His victory over sin and death. And then secondly, not just knowing the truth, but telling the truth. With the belt of truth on, we can call out truth in others. So that they are not open to attack. They are not vulnerable to uh, blows that might bring them to their knees. But they are standing firm in truth. Jesus is the truth. Paul knew that. And he said, truth is at the core of who we are. It holds us together in moments of the battle. And the amazing thing is that Jesus himself, being called the truth, he is the truth. He says, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. That is what brings us alive, causing us to stand firm. So let's move on from the belts to the breastplate. Ben, we're just going to sort of adjust you so you're a bit more. There we go. There we go. Brilliant. This is the breastplate, okay? It covers the chest area. Have you ever put on a breastplate? If you're not an armor enthusiast, you've probably not ever put on a breastplate. I haven't either. But we have one here in the form of um, Roman soldier Ben. The breastplate of righteousness is not just talking about righteousness in the way that we might think about it, but it's talking about righteousness as part of who we are. The breastplate in Greek is this word thoraka, which is where we get the word thorax from. It's a catch-all term for this protective covering for the chest in combat. And a Roman soldier would have, there were loads of different breastplates you could have if you were a soldier. The Roman soldiers had the best of the best of the best. They had a uh, breastplate called the lorica segmentata, which sounds great, doesn't it? It's like a Latin word for the best, the sort of like prime uh, breastplate you were able to have. And the purpose of the breastplate, purpose of this thing, was to protect your vital organs, to protect your lungs, to protect your guts, and most importantly, to protect your heart. The, the core being of your self, your blood supply, your airflow, your digestive system, the core being of who you are is protected with the breastplate. And when you hear about this idea of the breastplate of righteousness, you might think, hang on, isn't righteousness about right living and what you're supposed to do and right behavior? And you you sort of think about self-righteousness. No, this word righteousness here is thinking more about right relationships, being in right relationships with other people. In the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, righteousness, this whole idea of righteousness is linked with the theme of justice. Righteousness and justice sort of sit side by side. They're always linked together. 
So if righteousness is this sense of being in right relationships with other people, then justice is part of when those things go wrong. And when righteousness breaks down, when relationships uh, fall apart, justice is required to restore righteousness. So when righteousness fails, justice restores righteousness. So righteousness is at its core about relationships, about relations with others. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, put on a new self, put on a new self created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So this whole uh, piece of armor here, the breastplate of righteousness to cover your vital organs, to cover and protect the, the core of who you are. There's an amazing verse in Proverbs chapter 4. It says this, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. How do we guard our hearts? With the breastplate of righteousness. Standing firm, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of right relationships. And there are two relationships, I think, two dimensions to this. Firstly, it's the relationship that we have with God, getting right with God. The Bible says that Jesus is the righteous one who died for us, the unrighteous ones. He is the one that, that makes us righteous by the work of, the, of Jesus on the cross so that we can become right with each other. I wonder where we, if we sort of think about our relationship with God, where are we at tonight in our relationship with God? And where are we at tonight in our relationship with other people, our friends, our families, our colleagues, our enemies? Where are we at in our relationships with others? I wonder whether tonight in this series and uh, throughout this whole month, whether God is maybe speaking to us about getting right with God and getting right with other people. I wonder where we might be living at the moment with a lack of forgiveness in our lives. Where are we not pursuing that sense of justice to bring about a reconciliation of righteousness with other people? Where are we maybe actively living in discord or disunity with other people? Each one of us may have stories of uh, friendships that have uh, gone astray or gone, gone apart or, friend, or family life where uh, we've seen destruction in families. Maybe um, with, a, with a neighbor or a colleague, whatever it is, we've all seen um, pain in relationships. I was thinking about this, and I think sometimes the enemy, for me in my life, has used tiny little things that on the surface don't seem like big things, and the enemy has sort of, that's crept in to become a bigger thing. And in my relationships with other people, I can think of this one moment with my friend uh, from university, where we had a really banterous relationship, we were banter all the time, we would take the mick out of each other, we were sarcastic, we would sort of tease each other, and at one point, I took it too far, and I was, I was bantering with him, and he had no idea, uh, sorry, I had no idea that what I was saying to him became really personal, and really, it really, really affected him. And it took him it, to be really, really brave to me, and, and just call me out of the blue and said, Matt, we need to talk, because you said something that's really, really upset me. And I had no idea. It was a small thing to me. It was a massive thing to him. He had to say to me, Matt, I've got to call you out on this because what you said to me has really, really hurt me. 
small things on the surface can lead to massive things um, underneath. Similarly, I think of times um, in my family where, uh, again, we joke about siblings, and maybe you, you sort of joke about this in your own family, that mum and dad treat them so differently to me, and they prefer them to me, and, uh, or they prefer my sister to my brother. You know, you have all that sort of sense of like sibling rivalry, sibling preference, and that your mum and dad prefer, it's often the youngest sibling, if you're a younger sibling here, and it's like, oh, they get away with so much more than I got away with, and all this sort of stuff. You're laughing because you sort of probably maybe experienced it yourself as well. But um, <laughs> this sense of like small things can become large things. And God wants us to be right with other people. Just as he's made us right with him, he wants us to pursue right relationships with each other. So the breastplate of righteousness is the core of who we are, our heart, our lungs, our gut, so that we can be right with other people. I wonder where God tonight is wanting to nudge you on these things, to know the truth, to speak the truth, to have the belt, you've lost your belt, oh, no, it's this lost, have the belt of truth around your waist, holding you together as the core of who you are, and putting on the breastplate of righteousness so that you can be right with him and right with other people. All this can feel like if you're in a battle at the moment, and I know you may be, and we're all in battles at different times in our lives and different uh, things going on, it can feel like, oh my goodness, this is another thing to do. I've got to think about the armor of God. But I'd love to just encourage you tonight with just a little word of encouragement at the end that this is not us trying to do anything or trying harder. This is us simply saying, Lord, I want to receive. I want to receive the armor of God. The armor of God is a gift to us to receive. Not to try and do everything ourselves, but to put on the gift of the armor of God so that we can stand firm. So that we can stand firm. So maybe tonight you want to say, God, I'm in a battle. Would you give me the armor of God? Would you remind me of your truth so I may know your truth and speak your truth? Would you, I'm struggling in my relationship with my friends or with my family. There's something going on with my brother or my cousin or my mum. I, I don't know how to face this battle. Would you give me the breastplate of righteousness so that I can know that I'm right with you and I can bring about your grace and your love to those around me? God wants us to stand firm with the armor that he gives us. So tonight, and in this whole series, our job is to say, God, I want to receive your armor. I want to put it all on. I want to stand firm because you, God, are with me in the fight and in the battle. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand?